Hey, bro, what you doing? Yo, the book finally came in, bro. For real? It just came in? Hey, you know we got an interview right now. Yeah, the Wings Comics. Yeah, Brian Lambert of Wings Comics, man. He gonna talk about his Kickstarter and all the books he got. And he talking about some DC Marvel versus short and junk type stuff too, man. I'm sure. You need to go ahead and do his interview. Yeah, man, but, you know, I got to handle this, man. I got to get my yeah, book. I know you get this shit, man. I got to get my books, man. I got to do it, man. Really? These books. Hey, these books. These books right here are more important, man. <laughs> I got to give you, you know, by myself, like always. Yeah, bro. But yeah, yeah I do, man. Man. Yeah, I put a good word in for you. Go ahead, bro. You have to do yeah. some work this time, What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the hood. Welcome back to Chill on the Green Box with Specs Thompson and The View. And once again, my co-host can't be here. But hey, he said he's working on his book this time. He actually doing some work, so be on the lookout for that. But hey, we got another great creator, though. Um, somebody that I've been in touch with since I started. I believe we started around the same time, but which is pretty dope. But he done jumped miles ahead of me. But... <laughs> but Brian Lambert, man. That's How's it going, awesome. man? Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Sorry, man. I was looking forward to meeting the view, man, and, and him and chatting it up. But uh, you know, yeah, that's how things yeah, go, right? Yeah, man. But crazy part, he he will appear at cons and stuff like that, but he won't appear on a show that all he do is sit down and talk. It was right, crazy. Right, right. He's too Hollywood these days. But yeah, no, yeah. Man, it's been actually cool when we did kind of start around uh almost the same time. But uh I've been fortunate, man, I got a really great team. Uh, behind me, beside me, and all of that. So it's been it's been a, a good experience to be able to do what we do. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive deeper in that. But uh, for, uh, tell the people who who you are and what you do. Who people who don't know you. So I'm Brian Lambert, uh, CEO, founder of Wingless Comics, uh, also the writer and creator of our flagship title Justice, uh, and the writer and creator of our uh, first crossover Nightfall. That was uh, in conjunction with Concept Moon Studios and Constant Hustle Comics. So uh, I've been in the writing game for quite a few years, um, self-published a title called uh, Ascension, the Crucian Saga Book One, that is part of a 12-book series. And that's kind of where I, I cut my teeth in terms of uh, self-publishing. Uh, and I moved over into creating comics and comic content. I'm in the indie space with Wingless Comics um, and ostensibly Wingless Entertainment, uh, my companies. Uh, we are in our fourth issue now. We're actually we fully funded last night. So uh, Justice is actually currently on Kickstarter right now for Justice issue four. Uh, and we actually uh, fully funded the campaign last night. So we're on to stretch goals, uh, additional funding and all of those things that we need in order to keep the series going and to keep the printing and the process going. Cool, cool, cool. And you the first guest I get to use this for to see how it go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> for funding, you know. Yeah, thank you, thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. It's actually really, really dope. I wasn't expecting it last night. Um, we're only three days into the campaign, so we've been doing really, really great for these three days. Obviously, uh, we've been going really, really strong, um, which is always what we want. Uh, but we always want to continue to keep funding and keep sharing the project, keep talking about it, because we want to continue funding so we can do more interesting projects like our crossovers uh, like new books like getting stickers out there and bookmarks and all these little things that kind of make everything we do more fun and more interesting cool 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 that's real dope man so um the point of the show you know is for people to find out who you are and, and get a chance to meet you versus 
you know, most shows, you know, that I witnessed that um, a creator go on there for an hour or two and just talk about their Kickstarter, you know, and people never find out a reason why to support the, uh, the creator. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. okay, I heard about this book for two hours, but why should I care? So my show is uh, to help creators, you know, find fans, you know, of them versus, you know, whatever they're talking about on their book and, they, and nobody cares after book one or two or whatever, you know. They want, mm-hmm. I want people to follow you in your journey, you know, to support you the whole way through. So I created this show, um, which is based off uh, something that uh, I find I'm, most careers I I uh, interview didn't experience. But as a child, I think it's a subtle thing that we chill on a green box, in that uh, electrical box in front of the neighborhood. Did you uh, partake in that? So, uh, man, I had one of those one of those moms that was... I don't want to say overprotective, but very protective. So I couldn't be on the green box because we had them, but she was always real concerned about like radiation yeah, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> right? And yeah, right. So uh, we uh, we actually had um, where I grew up. Our green box was we our building had like a, a pretty nice sized stoop. So you know the green box is on the side, and we had the stoop. So we actually chilled more mm-hmm. on the stoop because we knew we weren't gonna get in trouble there. You know what I mean? We knew. All of us could come together there as opposed to, you know, half of us could be there, you know, one place and half of us could be 10 feet away. So, uh, but that's where all the, man, oh, this is where all, that's where all the, uh, all of us were going to be rappers or singers or dancers or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's the, the, the old school thing that I don't think kids get anymore, really. Uh, it's just not the same. Uh, but we were able to get out there, you know, we were bagging on each other. Again, somebody's going to be beatboxing and, and trying to make a beat with a pencil and a coin. Um, and everybody thought they were the, the best MC. You know what I mean? Like all the things <laughs> yeah. that kind of uh, influenced, I guess, where the culture is now in general, man. So, so I, I love that old school kind of three months of summer type feeling. You know what I mean? Where we were just, yeah. we were just out, and we were able to like exist. Yep, yep. So, so you already got the rundown. So, like, uh, my first segment is called uh, breaking it down. Uh, so when you was on that stoop, your friends, y'all break stuff down, concepts, and there's other things. So in this first segment, I got a series of icebreaker questions that I'm trying to break your brain down so people get a uh, uh, a head start understanding, you know, who you are. Mm-hmm. So you ready for that? Yeah, man. Rapid fire. Let's go. All right. First question. What's your favorite superhero? Oof. Okay, so... Mm. Favorite superhero is difficult, right? Because it depends on how you define superhero. I've always so, been like, huge. You got, you got you got the you got the Dow H for hero thing, man. You got first right, that one button. Right. Who are you, you gonna know what? Honestly, man, uh, I'm a Batman guy, man. I'm be honest with you. But again, if we want to be technical and nerdy, he don't have superpowers, so is he a superhero? But um, no, nah, I've always been a Batman guy. Uh, I just find it really interesting. I like some of the older versions of Batman where it was like um, the world's greatest detective. Like, it would be some little small thing or some little panel that you would see in the very beginning of the comic, and he'd be able to solve this great mystery at the end because he had seen this little thing at the beginning. Like, I like that style, that Sherlock Holmes kind of style of Batman, um, where Mm -hmm. he's also like a master fighter, where he's basically like the number two best at everything, right? Like, second most money, second best fighter, second, you know what I mean? So he's the, um, he creates this kind of character that I like, and I always, um, I think that, I mean, when you're talking about originally, like, him stemming out of tragedy just kind of really spoke to me um, and my personal, you know, life experience of, like, becoming this person 
that wanted to protect everybody and that wanted to make sure everybody was okay because they endured something that was traumatic for them and they wanted to do whatever it took to stop it from happening to somebody else. So I always really gravitated to that version um, of Batman. Cool, cool. That's that's, that's, that's dope. That's dope. Um, you saying, though, what you define as a superhero, just you talking and just me thinking. Um, I think a superhero would be somebody who does something on a greater level because, you know, as a child or somebody in school, you'd be like, who's your heroes? You know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, you know, LeBron James for some people, you know, they just consider heroes because they just, I guess somebody look up to and they just do things in the community versus Mm -hmm. I guess superhero who do things like on a bigger scale because of... I think some of the larger than life aspects of cartoons, comics, movies, like all these things are what create, you know, superheroes. Obviously, like a kid could literally be the next LeBron James, right? Which is that's mm-hmm. not to, to to down his legacy or anything. But someone can be the next orator, someone can be the next person that's really um impactful to the community. And 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 while I would never tell any child or anybody not to try to be Superman or Batman or whoever um, the, as you grow up, the realism is a little bit different, right? There's the fantasy element that makes these characters superheroes, that makes these stories ones that we follow, that lets us uh, continue to have that imagination that we have as kids that often we lose as adults. So, yeah. I mean, there are some subtle differences. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of um, Phoenix Jones? Phoenix Jones? No. No. Not well, 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 when we got the interview, look him up. He got, I think he got like a little documentary on YouTube. But I'm trying to interview him. He'd probably be a great person to interview. But uh, I don't know. I was going to say it for the record. I think he's the first documented modern superhero. Where he caught Wait, so is that the much... guy who's in, in in costume? He's in, oh, God, is it like Washington. Oregon or Washington? Washington? Okay, yeah, I do actually yeah. know. Okay, yeah, 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 I do know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, like. Would you consider him a superhero? I mean, if we're being technical, I think he's a vigilante, to be honest with you. Uh, like Batman is a vigilante, line. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, is he a superhero? I don't know, man. I mean, look, if we get, like, the you know, if we get, uh, you know, aliens or something, and he fights the alien invasion, if we get like that in, in real life, then yeah, I'll give him the superhero title at that point. But I think at the moment, right, he's technically a vigilante, but... Like All a right. state-sponsored vigilante. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Well, um, next question. Uh, what toy did you hate the most as a child? Ooh, what toy did I hate the most? Man, I like a lot of toys as a kid. That's what I But I think I hated the USS flag from G.I. Joe the most as a kid. But wow. I hated it because I knew I would never be able to get it. Like, that was a toy that you could see in the box and it's this massive three foot long battleship right and even in the commercials the kids are flying planes on it da 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 and I knew that like you know uh, my family like a lot of us uh, was very up and down right like there were times when we were good on money and we were cool and there were times that we were shelter poor you know what I mean as poor as you could get basically without being 100% on the street um, and so uh, when that toy was out, and, and obviously I was growing up, even though I had a, a good, happy, fulfilled, loved life, I guess, right? I just knew I would never be able to 
as a child, get that toy, right? Something that I loved. I loved G.I. Joe. But I knew I was never going to be able to have that. And so it kind of um, it kind of lit a fire in me, right? Because um, you're, you're given like an unequivocal no before you have a chance to, to try. Um, and so I guess it spoke to the inequities of pay and, and, and finance and money and all this other stuff that as an adult, like I understand the concepts of now and the market mm-hmm. and um, rich versus poor and all of this stuff. But as a kid, all I saw was someone telling me, like, basically, I wasn't good enough for something or I wasn't good enough to be able to get it. So uh, that was a symbol of, like, I guess, hate. you know what I mean, for me. Like, that was the one where I was like, hmm, you know, every time I saw it in Toys R Us, bro, I just wanted to throw it off the shelf. Like, I obviously was not that kind of kid. My mom was not that lady. We had to keep our hands on the cart. Don't touch nothing. The whole deal. Right. But like, I just wanted to just every time I saw it, I just wanted to destroy it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah man um it's funny uh i might have had the same situation with toys because early early young i remember i didn't get i mean i got a lot of toys but i didn't get like you know you go to jc penny's book and like circle everything for christmas <laughs> yeah yeah but um you know I, I remember times i didn't get everything i wanted and uh later on in life i like I'll get all six Power Rangers, all both of their Megazord and stuff like that later on, and it, it was just a weird tangent. But yeah. like uh, now, with all these Power Ranger toys coming out, I'm like, man, I always wanted that Megazord. Oh, I always wanted that that Dragon Dagger. Then yeah. I see the price on it. I was like, 150 dollars. Like, <laughs> even being grown, I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just imagine like being in the 90s and seeing stuff like that, same price. It was like, yeah. I see why I didn't get it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's as an adult, I think that, well, I know that I do, right? Like, I, I've definitely gone back and gotten some of the stuff that I didn't get as a kid, especially like yeah, some of ship? the collector stuff. No, man. <laughs> I still want to break <laughs> that goddamn thing. I still, anytime I see it, I just want to throw it down. Now it's like too big and clunky. Like, it don't even make sense. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've gotten like, uh, I was a huge Batman 1989 fan, so I've always loved that Batmobile. So I got a couple versions of that, you know, different things uh, as we grow up. I think it's important to kind of and I think we do this in comics. I think it's important to nurture the child that you were right. Nurture the child that you wanted to be. Uh, We wouldn't be doing this. And anybody who just says like, oh, I'm an adult and I do this just because I want to and doesn't have that childhood nostalgia and doesn't say that that's part of it. I feel like they're kind of lying. Right. Like because as adults, our imaginations are different as adults. The things that we confront are slightly different. Um, comics are a very nostalgic feel. They're a nostalgic market of how they look um, and how they're created and things like that. So I think that um, it's important that we nurture that child within us, especially as creators. If we don't do that, um, then we're not being true to what we're trying to create. So I definitely, I'm all about that. I'm all about buying the small things and, and, and kind of, you know, loving the child that I was and trying to love that child that's within me in a way that kind of strengthens me and strengthens and heals some of the things that you go through as a kid that you don't understand that you don't get and they happen and you have to deal with and have to live with yep yep that's right alright for the next question uh, what is one popular movie that you just can't uh, can't stand Ooh, I have a ton of them uh, a bunch of popular movies that I can't stand but, um, hmm. 
I think my, I don't know why I want to say my current. Well, you know, I didn't like Thor Love and Thunder. Let's just go there. Well, I'll, I'll make it easy on myself. Uh, yeah, so uh, what's one of your movies? Uh, my, my, my popular movie I don't like, honest, is uh, Thor Love and Thunder, man. Um, I just didn't like it. And I, I don't get me wrong, I like Taika Waititi as a director. Um, the first movie of his I think I saw was uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, and it was dope. It was kind of off-kilter, something I hadn't really seen before, the way it was done. Um, so I like his eye. I like his how it's just it, like just left the center, just right of center. It's not the same. But um, even though if you're looking at it through the eyes of Korg is telling this story back, and that's why it's like a little bit more of a farce, and it's a little bit more funny and crazy and whatever, I just, I just didn't like it. I didn't like, I didn't like the story of it. I didn't like, you know... I wanted to see the God Killer kill some gods, man. Uh, well, um, they were supposed to put it in a Disney Plus uh, one. Yeah, they say it was like the whole. They filmed it. They yeah. filmed all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it posted like um, I didn't watch it in theaters, but I watched it on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And they say even the one I watched was had more scenes than the one on theaters. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I still think it was okay. Look, man, you had like the Hall of Gods. Why he didn't go through Wreck and Shop, like, again, I feel like the setups were there. Um, I, I think, but, okay, so to be fair as well, though, I think all the Thor movies have been kind of mid, except for uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok was pretty good, and I think that, you Because you had hope. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, right, it changed the dynamic. So, um, yeah, yeah, I just, mm, I love Thor as a character, I love Crimson, Chris Hemsworth, I love, uh, like I said, I love the director, I love all the elements that they had going. I just don't think they put them put them together well, um, and and I wish it would have been different. I don't want to say better because I think that's a disservice. I would be pissed off if I created a comic and I thought it was dope, and then some random dude is like, "Oh, I wish it would have been better." Um, I wish it would have been different. It wasn't what I wanted. So, yeah, I, we could we could we could keep that one. In my opinion, I mean, I think I think I think he falls in the same thing as uh, I can't think of a hero now, but uh, you can't you can't think of a oh like uh, uh Jason Todd, Jason Todd Robin, mm-hmm. he falls in the same thing as him. Like, how many good Jason Todd stories can you can you can you like think about? Yeah, how many good Thor stories can you think about? Yeah, so <clears throat> when you think about it, he got only this couple you, yeah. that you can think of and that's what they use and by using that you push him so far he skips so much yeah. Yeah. in between so like Ragnarok is something I think from the 90s maybe or maybe eight or late 80s yeah. and like with all the stuff before he did so many more adventures but his story's never been that good so when they, you picking stories with Thor you picking here and there and it ain't much yeah yeah and like unless they unless they uh, reboot everything for uh, Jane Foster, and she does the the stuff now. Which I mean, like, that, uh, so I even like the Jane Foster stuff that they. I like the idea of it. I like what they were heading towards. Um, I knew she was gonna die because that happened in the comic book. I didn't know it was gonna be in the same movie. But again, man, I think that there were there were some elements that they brought from the comic books that are current in terms of Monir having its own personality and like thinking and you know blah 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 like that kind of stuff. Um, and again, I think they played it up, but I just, it just didn't, 
it didn't do it for me. Um, I think that there have been some, there are a couple of Thor cartoons that they've done that have been really epic and really great. And I feel like they could expand on some of those ideas. But I also think that when you take Loki out of the equation, um, in terms of cinematic Thor, you take some of the storytelling away. Some of the greatness of Thor uh, and some of his best stories are him and Loki um, and kind of their back and forth and their friends and their enemies and their friends and their enemies and then they trade on each other. Um, so I think that when you lose that or when you take that kind of away, you kind of hamstring yourself a little bit. Also, the way that um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe itself is they wanted to book in some stuff, right? They know they got to get Thor 4 out, but it's also going to come post Endgame. It's going to come post Tony dying. It's going to come post uh, Cap dying. Uh, and then also not be something that jumps off the next phase. It's just a part of the current phase. So, uh, again, I think that they were painted into a very particular kind of corner. Uh, and for what they had, obviously, it entertained people. And it did what it was supposed to do. And it made some money. Uh, it just wasn't my cup of tea, necessarily. Yeah. Makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. I understand. Okay. Well... That's all the questions I got for that segment. Okay. You know, we jump into the next one, which is uh, your back issues. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, being in comics, you should know all about back issues. But uh, for people who don't, you know, back issues, if you want to know about a character origin story. And like we just talked about Thor, if you want to know more about Thor, you go on his back issues to find out where he came from. So this said, man, I think going to your back issues to find out where you came from. Okay. Okay. All right. Alright, so uh, first question. Uh, where are you from and what do you call your hood? Uh, so I am from a place called San Pedro, California. I, that's where I grew up. Uh, the majority of my childhood is called Pedro, the Dro. Um, it's it's where the hood meets the sea. It's a port town, one of the biggest port towns uh, on this coast. Uh, I come from a town of longshoremen, really great Italian food, uh, Croatian food, Honestly, not too many black folks, obviously, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, just a real homogenous kind of like small hilly town. They do a ton of filming out there, man. You, if you see San Francisco, nine times out of ten, it's like actually San Pedro, it ain't Frisco. Uh, they film as DC anywhere. Um, so it's a real, like I said, it's a real small kind of town, but uh, it was pretty dope to grow up there. Uh, a lot of great experiences. Um, it's right next to Long Beach, California, which a lot of people know, you know, Snoop came from there, you know, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. Um, it's part of L.A. County. So you got everything that comes with that um, and the culture that uh, L.A. brings to the table in general. I was just on the uh, like I said, I was on the ocean side. I was on the beachfront property uh, of L.A., as it were. OK, cool, cool, cool. I- being over there, what was your um, first encounter of music that got you intrigued and in, like being a that fan of that genre, the artist? Uh, um, so I feel like this is kind of unfair for me, uh, only because my father was a recording artist um, mm-hmm. of of mild fame um, in the '80s and when I was growing up. So uh, part of me grew up in the studio. Uh, part of me grew up in RCA Record Studio. So. Um, I've been into music in in any form I could uh, since I was a child. Like I wasn't the, even more than comics or cartoons or anything else. Like music wasn't a choice. Uh, it was just always there. It was always part of of 
who I was, but I grew up also in the time where hip hop was growing up as well. So, uh, you know, I went through the, the X Clan times and the, and the, the black power age of rap, right? Before gangster rap took over, uh, grew up in the gangster rap era. I grew up in the new Jack swing era. Like I really did as much as I grew up with like the internet, I grew up with hip hop. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, it, it's been part of my life as long as I can remember. Uh, but you know, obviously when I was like a child or when I was younger, moms wasn't really trying to let me listen to NWA like that. Uh, so, uh, and in our background, you know, it was like, hey, man, if you want to listen to if you want to listen to an hour of rap, you got to listen to an hour of gospel music. You know what I mean? So we had to really, like, pick the battle. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, I mean, it, it taught me a lot of things. But like I said, um, just music in general has permeated my entire life. So for me, it never really was like I didn't um, I didn't get that moment where it's like, oh, man, you hear your first hip hop track. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like your entire mind opens up. Again, man, I grew up with I grew up with De La Soul. I grew up listening to the to the Fushnikins and, and you know the Jungle Brothers and all you know what I mean, like all like the forefathers of hip hop and stuff. So it's like a, um, not completely different for me, but my experience is different in terms of that has been like the life, like kind of the life's blood of 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 my creation of who I am. It's again just the biggest part of me as a lot of times religion is for our community or all these things that we kind of just. We, we grow up into without any knowledge of there being anything else. Okay, okay. So what about so about what comic? What what was the first comic book or comic related TV show that got you in liking comics? Um, I was really really into Super Friends, which was like on its way out as I was, you know, growing up and I was young. It was like in syndication, you know, Saturday morning kind of stuff. Uh, my mom had also bought years before I was born. She had bought. Um, the Superman versus Muhammad Ali comic, and I, a lot of people may not know this, but regular comics are like booklet sized, and they're nice. But this Muhammad Ali comic was like a prestige, you know, size comic. So it's 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 triple the size of a normal one. It's got these big, huge pages. <laughs> Excuse me. You get to see Muhammad Ali beat the brakes off of Superman. Um, it was just, it was just, it was wild to me because obviously even as a kid, like I knew who Muhammad Ali was, but I didn't like know the magnitude of his character, right? Like of who he was to the community, who he was to the movement, who he was to everything as a child. But I saw this black dude beating Superman down, right? Which meant he had to be dope. It, he had to be somebody, mm-hmm. I, you know? And so even before I was like old enough to like read it, read it, you know, I'm flipping through the pages just over and over and over again. Um, so that was like that was the comic that started this uh, yeah it's an obsession it started this obsession with, with, with telling these larger than life kind of stories and seeing things that uh, I had previously never seen before because again if you're watching the cartoons and stuff Superman doesn't lose right he doesn't he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't take an L which I that makes sense it's a child's cartoon but uh, seeing the difference between that and seeing this comic book where now he did take an L and he did have to come back and he had to overcome some stuff um, it was just, uh, it just set such a stage for me that was, I can't, I can't really put a price on it, right? Like, that was one of those moments. It's like the first time you see the titles for Star Wars. It's like a moment. The music is blaring and the titles are going back and they're setting the stage for you. Um, and that comic kind of set that stage for me, like, on a, on a lifetime kind of thing. Um, uh, with me, I mean... With certain, you know, with everybody else, you know, the anime series, Spider-Man, Batman, you know, you know uh, X-Men, 
you know, they, now that was shows that got me. But like you speaking about Superman and whatnot, um, I'm not a Superman fan because like he, I guess, got too much plot armor. He, he might as well be an anime character. <laughs> but uh, I guess, but I've watched a lot of his shows younger, mm-hmm. and just by you talking, like he never took an L. That's probably why I never liked him. Mm-hmm. But in the show, when in the shows, he was more him trying to fit in. It was always Clark trying to fit in. He didn't fit in. Yeah. Versus the comics, he's already like OP and doing everything. Yeah. But in like Lowers and Clark in Smallville, he's always trying to fit in. And I guess that drove me more towards I guess Clark versus Superman. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, um, um, there are a couple really good series. <clears throat> excuse me that that do that like all-star superman is a great story of like superman at his most vulnerable um which is always emotional emotionally vulnerable uh but i think and i'm not in in the back of dc but i think the dc has sometimes the same problem that wwf has they get limited scope the writers get limited scope on what they could do if you look at WWF, and I call it WWF still, even though it's WWE, whatever, Vince has limited what they can say and do so much. Hey, you can't call the heavyweight title the strap. You can't do X amount of moves. You can't do, you know what I mean? They get painted into such small corners <coughs> that when you get somebody like, again, a couple of years ago, when you get Roman Reigns and they're trying to push him to the top as the guy, his push is the same as John Cena's was. His push is the same as The Rock's was, right? There's no originality. And it's not because the writers don't want it. It's because they're painted into such a fine corner. I think the same goes for someone like Superman or even Batman. Um, They can't take what would be called traditional L's, right? Um, Because the characters have to keep such a status that it's very hard for them to lose in the traditional sense. Um, And that's very hard when you're trying the story for them. And it's very hard when you're sometimes trying to get brand new readers to like what you do and brand new readers to get in on what you're on what you're creating. Uh, and I think that's something that crosses over in indie comics, right? Superman has 50 plus years of history where that there is a reason why he is who he is, why he does what he does, but it's still hard for new readers to kind of get into that. Indie comics jumps those 50 years of history and they're just like, my character's OP, he's dope, he can beat everybody, and blah, 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 blah. Yep. And then you're like, well, why do you care about anything he does? Right? And that's the conundrum mm-hmm. that you have with Superman now. Why do you care about anything he does? Well, Superman's story should never be about Superman's powers, because who cares? We know what they are. We know he's going to do something dope. We know he's going to fight somebody. You know, he's going to fight Darkseid. Darkseid's going to be, you know, actually go toe-to-toe with him. That's great, but it's not about who he's fighting or how he's fighting. It's about why he's fighting. It's about what's the thing behind it. What is he struggling for? What's his obstacle? Because the fight is not an obstacle for him. That's what he does. Um, it's all those other things. Yeah, true, true, true. Um, when did you find that you're a blurred? Um, uh, it was never a question for me, man, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, I guess it was. Because, uh, again, I grew up in a different time. But I was one of those guys... Even though, I look, I played football, uh, I lettered in varsity, blah, 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 the whole deal. Um, but I still was a guy who had comic books in his bag every day. Like, it didn't matter. Like, I, you know, I was known as an artist uh, when I was in school. Uh, I drew all the time. 
uh, I wrote all the time. So it never was a thing to me. Uh, blurred has also come to mean something different. Again, when I was kind of coming up, nerds weren't even made just because of anime or because of Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. Nerds were nerds because they were nerds, uh, for lack of better words, right? Like they, it was more of a stylistic thing, right? It was more, honestly, nerds were more of a dress and study thing than it was the culture of what they watched or consumed or whatever media, right? Like the nerd mm -hmm. was the dude who, look, nobody wore polo shirts, you know what I mean? Like buttoned up when we were in uh -huh. school, right? But like, but that was a style <laughs> yeah. thing that was different, right? Um, but then, I, obviously, a style changes now. People do it, and it's common. People weren't wearing button ups, you know, all the way buttoned up, right? Um, with khaki pants on. That was what made somebody a nerd, you know what I mean? Or the first one to raise the hand to answer the math question, you were like, oh, nerd. Um, as opposed to like, oh, he likes anime, he's a nerd. You know what I mean? Oh, he likes comics, he's a nerd. It, the, the, the definitions, I guess, have changed a little bit. Um, I mean, so. talk, speaking of speaking of styles, you know, you bringing that up. Uh, the style has changed. Like, I guess the cool kids are the one dressing up, being all nice exactly. and neat. And nerds are the one that dress and got the the tall tees on still, yeah. you know, and got got the DC shoes still. Ex on, exactly, you know, like. exactly, right. So I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think that the obviously people love the term blurred, um, and it, again, it has more to do with the culture and the and the entertainment or whatever that we consume than it does our dressing style. But I feel like, at least for me, right, my ex experience back in school was how you dress kind of dictated a lot of times who you were, not what you were necessarily, like, consuming. If you dress like a basketball player all the time, people thought you were a hooper. You know what I mean? Like, if you dress like a football player all the time, you were a jock. Um, so it was more clothing than it was uh just the stuff you did so yeah, again man it was experience is a little bit different um in terms of that so um i, I i'm blurty by nature i guess man I, it was just it was just always all day and it just was who i was um and it always has been yeah yeah i made sense, made sense um a lot of me and a lot of my guests we went through this thing i've, I've been dubbing uh the nerd gap mm -hmm. uh <laughs> it's where like uh, you did watch you no know, the cartoons, the comics, and all that, but then you took a like a little hiatus from it to do other things. Then you know eventually came back to it. Did you go through that? Actually, I don't think I did, man. I was always always into it. Um, obviously, football was like a, a huge part of my life and my high school career. Right? I thought I was gonna be every like everybody else. So I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the league. But, you know, I didn't grow past 5'8", and I'm trying to be a, a receiver. So <laughs> I had to wake up. You know what I mean? I'm not Wes Welker or somebody. Uh, but I don't think I ever dropped one for the other, right? Like, I never compromised sports for entertainment. Uh, I think if anything got dropped, it was my schooling, right? Like, I would slack in, in school, and that, that was kind of the thing. But I never really went away from what I found to be fun and entertaining um, based on any of that other stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that I wasn't trying to be as hard as everybody else because we posture and we try to figure ourselves out and our place in the world and all of this other stuff that we have to do. But, um, I mean, again, in my formative years, I would have dared anybody to, okay, yeah, make fun of my comics. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, he, 
I don't. I, again, I don't. I didn't experience. Oh man, he watching cartoons. Let's make fun of him. Uh, for one, I feel like we was, everybody got made fun of for everything anyway. Again, if you yeah. dress funny, if you tripped, if your shoes had scuffs on them, like whatever, you're gonna get made fun of anyway. So it wasn't really like a thing of like, I don't know anybody who was like, oh man, he watched those Japanese cartoons. Let's make fun of him, right? Like everybody was really trying to get on. If he was talking about Dragon Ball, and I guess if he was passionate enough about it, and even if somebody made fun of you, I always feel like we were kind of funny enough to go back at him. And it, that wasn't that wasn't the sticking point, right? We just kind of did what we did. Um, like kind of regardless yeah it makes sense it makes sense um uh, well that's in a back issue you know for you and you know you know people got a good you know tangent of <laughs> of here over there for you so um that's that's great um we can move on to the next segment which i call um the hot keys oh. which uh another thing since you, you've been in music you should know what it already is yeah. um people who don't know hot keys are are buttons on dj turntable where they can press the trigger of a certain song or a part of the song, you know, to get the, the party hype, you know, as well. In um, comics, you know, hotkeys are key issues, you know, when new artists or a new writer get our project or a key event or when a, um, a character is introduced or first appearance, you know, that'd be a, a key issue. Uh, or a hot, a hot key, rather. And uh, this segment is a whole bunch of questions that, you know, that I asked you previously or that I came up with myself to uh, be the hot takes, you know, the hot keys of this uh, this interview so people can take something away, you know, the key things about you. So with, with that being said, you know, uh, you gave me two two um, two topics, you know, I'm going to blend them together. Um, how do you feel? About like uh, like Marvel and DC being the mainstream and indie being, I guess anybody who's not under that umbrella, um, handling their their IPs, their projects. Because now you know you're seeing like you know first it was I I'll say DC was first, but really Marvel was first getting their IPs out and actually making a brand behind it and making all these film TV shows. Where now you see the indies, you know, they're coming out with their own stuff like The Walking Dead, you know, um, um, Lock and Key, and uh, and uh, the boys and stuff like that, putting their IPs out for shows. So, and they're being hits. So, what do you think DC falls short or Marvel falls short of, of these making hits? And and because in my eyes, I should not be watching. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier the same way I'm watching the boys because the branding and the money. So why do you think they are falling short at with their IPs? Um, I actually don't think that Marvel and DC are falling short. I think that our level of consumption is different than what it would have been X amount of years ago. So even if we go back to when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had hit, right? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did something that had never been seen in TV before. So if you watch uh, what was it? If you watch one episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then you watch Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and then you watch the next week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all three of them linked up, and it was dope. It was like, oh, man, S.H.I.E.L.D. is an agency, and then you watch the movie, and S.H.I.E.L.D. goes down, and then you come back, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is broken up, and blah, 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 blah. So I think that they've done a, a good job with getting their narratives and spinning those narratives, right? Like, there's there's no other company that's doing multiple narratives that work together across multiple platforms um, and to tell 
a cohesive story, even if there are different branches to it. No one else is doing that. DC has been doing their thing for years. Like you said, you mentioned uh, Lois and Clark, right? Lois and Clark was fired. <coughs> they actually waited to marry Lois and Clark on the TV show until they put out the, the comic book where Lois and Clark got married, right? Like all these things had to go in conjunction. So DC has been doing TV, unconnected TV for a long time. The CW gets a lot of, of, of grief, right? Because the CW is the CW. But at the same time, it's still a multi-million dollar company and a multi-billion dollar machine um, putting out some actually pretty top quality stuff. Some of the CG is a little flighty, but anybody who knows anything about no CG, it's not inexpensive. It's not cheap. It's, it's a very expensive form of creating images and doing what you do. So I think that they are doing actually a really, really good job at it. What I think with the, with how many streaming platforms we have, how many, how much we crave streaming and we want things in, um, you're just getting a lot more material. So while we're talking about something like Superman or we're talking about something like um, The Boys or Lock and Key, right? These are things that already had, they had followings behind them, right? Now, if it, it's kind of, you can't compare the following of The Walking Dead, which is a series, right, to Marvel, their entire umbrellas following, right? And so it's, sometimes it's a little bit easier to focus in, right? The idea, of, and even The Walking Dead went off the rails, right? But the idea of The Walking Dead is very simple. A small group of plucky survivors as they go through basically, you know, the, the, the apocalypse and surviving the apocalypse, right? That's not a difficult thing. That's been done a bajillion times in movies. You know what I mean? Night of the Living Dead, on and on and on, all these other things. Um, so it's 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 something that's easier to focus. Uh, the same for the boys. The boys does it, and I, the boys show is much different than the comic. But it's also very formulaic, right? We've set up this villain. We've set up Homelander. We've set up these things. It's very easy to kind of follow their exploits, um, and it's sometimes easier to be gory or to be more graphic than it is to not do that. It's much easier to have Homelander punch somebody's face off than to have Superman not punch somebody's face off, right, and can have continuous good storytelling. Um, so I think that while all these things are comics, the fact that the media even, like, compares them, they're so different, right? Like, we barely... We barely used to compare soap operas, and they're the exact same genre of storytelling. But we don't compare one life to live to passions to you know what I mean, like whatever, because they deal with such vastly different audiences. Um, and that's one of the things Marvel and DC, being the big two, are bringing their things to the masses, right? But most of the stuff they're bringing to the masses is superheroic. It is larger than life. Whereas, again, something like The Walking Dead is very grounded. Um, and that's the, the strength of it. So, I don't believe that Marvel and DC are failing. I think that our tastes are changing. Um, and I also think that people forget that these are popcorn movies. Look, Endgame and Infinity War were dope. They were great. But they were enders. They were bookends. And people forget that part, too, because people, oh, it's not as good as Endgame, or it didn't make me feel like Infinity War. Yeah, because that was the end of an era. Um, they're not supposed to all feel that epic. They're not all, like, you're not going to get that Avengers Assemble moment ever again in cinema. 
right? We waited 12 years to to hear Cap say that, to hear to have to have him with the hammer, to have every Marvel hero there. So uh, you're not going to get that thing again. And to compare the boys, to compare Quantum Mania, to compare any of them to those moments, that doesn't make sense. These are popcorn movies. Just like we don't compare the Fast and the Furious to Marvel movies or to, to The Godfather or something, because they're popcorn movies. Um, and people have kind of lost a little bit of that, in my opinion, uh, when we're talking about the streaming wars and we're talking about these series. And when you're talking about something like Lock and Key that has its own magic system that sets up all this different stuff, right? It's created its own world. And you're getting your own world in one dedicated series, as opposed to, let's say, a Marvel that has one world spread over 12 movies and four series. Yeah. That's right. Uh, with that being said, with comics, you know, uh, people always with comics and manga. Uh, I guess before being too deep in comics, you know, um, you know, I would see like, yeah, manga's winning, manga's better, <laughs> manga's out, manga's manga has stuff, you know, better formulated, you know, it's that's why it's winning. But since I'm in comics now and I'm seeing it, I see where manga is falling short from comics, you know. Uh, going to these cons, you know, I see people have a whole bunch of manga and anime related stuff on their tables and I, I see people uh, going towards that. But comics, you know, uh, I want to do videos about how you get into comics because it's very easy and it's really winning because it's still a billion-dollar company. Mm -hmm. Like, I can share a page, an out-of-context out page, it's really big, of comic book, you know, of uh, Nightwing throwing a little black girl in, in, uh, in the air. Yeah. And everybody talking about it, like, what's going on? What's going on? Why he do that? And people will want to go to that issue and read. Mm -hmm. Because we already know his characters and it's out of context why he's doing that. Versus I pick a random page from a manga of of uh, Goku popping in on Boma, you know, <laughs> in, in the bathroom. And you just know, oh, they're friends. Haha, that's goofy. That's funny. He don't know nothing. <laughs> and nobody want to go to chapter whatever, Dragon Ball Super, and see why that happened. Yeah. So I feel like comics are winning versus manga but how do you feel in that whole aspect of manga and comics you know I honestly I hate the debate because I mean maybe get me in some trouble but I don't care people are stupid when they have that debate right like when they really try to go hard on like oh anime is 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 sorry manga is superior right because it always becomes an anime and manga thing um and it's it's they're com they're completely different right they're not stories are stories but how they are done is completely different. Anime and manga has a certain look nine times out of ten, right? There are ten different looks, but they're all anime and manga. As soon as you see it on page, you know exactly what it is, right? Comics are the same way. Ten different looks of how comics are laid out, but as soon as you see it, you see it a comic, right? And what's the difference? American versus Japanese. Okay, big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that... that, that manga takes a leg up sometimes it's, we're talking about production costs well if your only your cover is in color and the rest of your book is in black and white you're saving on production costs mm -hmm. that's just dollars and cents good so then you can put together a, a longer book but also it's smaller because it's like a full book 
Whereas uh, comics are still doing floppy issues, right? 22 pages versus a 70-page book. Um, What kills me about the whole book thing, too, is like, they're like, oh, you're a demon slayer, so, so many books. Yeah, that's cool and all, but like like people say, that's the same author, same artist. So chapters one through six probably didn't get no attention. Yeah. Now... Chapter five. I mean, now they got the first volume out because the first five chapters came out. Yeah. Now that's a different wholesale. Exactly. So now it's catching up. Exactly. Now people are going. Now people are going to say, "Oh, chapter six was cool. Let me go read up." Now they buy book one mm-hmm. versus people who's coming in at chapter one hundred. It's like, "Oh, that's dope." Yeah. So they buying everything beforehand, and those sales are adding up. Exactly. But if I'm a writer on, let's say, Batman. They gave me what six issues mm-hmm. to do something, mm-hmm. and they might see his dope. Say, "Oh man, Spets did a great run on Batman," and they're gonna buy my trade, mm-hmm. and that's it. They're not gonna go back and like, "Dang, that Batman story was pretty pretty dope." Let's go yeah. back to the comments number whatever mm-hmm. and start reading. They're not yeah. gonna do that in comics. Yeah. So I think also that's happening too. Also, look like you said, Demon Slayer, right? The big stuff. Look, in every field, the big stuff is the stuff that people end up talking about and being like, oh, it's amazing. People don't talk about how many failures there are in manga daily. You know what I mean? How many series get launched and don't go anywhere? Again, it's the same with comics. There, there, there really is very, very little difference between manga and American comics. Very, very little difference. Obviously, like people are like, oh, well, you read it this way and that. Bro, that's because that's the culture, right? Like, that's because that's mm-hmm. how you read there it doesn't it's not that's not something that makes it special right it's special to an american audience because we read differently just like an american comic would be special to them um so it's just even the stories themselves when people are like oh they're doing different stories and they develop characters different no they don't goku i gotta push past my limits deku i gotta push past my limits demon slayer i gotta push past my like bro the heroes are the same right like all of it's the same um, Even the other genres, the same thing. Exactly, too. exactly. So again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't enjoy both because I 100% do. I love it all. Um, I think that Fire Force. When I watch Fire Force, the anime, it has the best sound design I've ever heard in any co- cartoon in my life. I think that My Hero Academia has some of the best musical cues I've ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? On and on and on. I think that everything has like its place. But, like, the whole debate of one versus the other or one being superior to the other is just super elitist. Like you said, oh, comics are losing. Uh, look, let me be losing and be a, be worth a billion dollars. Let me be a billion-dollar mark, market and I'm losing. Oh, billion? Come on now. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's very elitist, um, and it's a very, like, nerd culture thing of, like, I know better than you, and that's why I'm telling you, Japanese comics are better than American comics because I'm smarter and I've been doing it for longer. Whereas, like, no, they're both comics. They're both fun. Uh, you can enjoy both and both make a ton of money. Knock it off. Right? Because every, for every good story in, in, in manga that you're going to find, there's going to be a, a ton of bad ones. Every bad story you find in comics, there are going to be a ton of good ones and vice versa. Stop it. I hate, I, I hate the argument because it's so... It's pretty fucking lame, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that whole argument, you know, I'm pretty sure other arguments not happen. 
for you to create your own, you know, comic book universe. So, like, what made you go into Wingless Comics and create Justice and um, her and the Immortals? Um, so, Justice came from, probably, so, uh, uh, I'm a big cinema guy, too. I love movies. I'm actually going to go and see Fast and the Furious uh, 10 in just a little bit. Uh, and it, I was watching a Japanese horror flick. I forget which one. It might have been The Ring. But I was watching this horror flick. No, I was watching, excuse me, not the Japanese version, because the Japanese version was scary. And I had already seen <laughs> that. I was watching the American remake. Um, and it just, it drove me crazy. Uh, I like the, I like yin and yang, right? I like darkness and light. I like the imagery of a war of darkness and light at all times, right? I love the imagery of you're fighting the demon, you know, inside you, outside you, however you want to say it, right? Like, if you're a good person, you're fighting against your darker impulses or if you're a bad person you're fighting against the good impulses i just love that duality right yin and yang is such an amazing concept to me so i was watching this movie and the hero right is fighting this demon that you know you got to do the whole thing with the ring and show somebody else to take because you're cursed and da, da 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 and there was like no winning and it pissed me off that the hero was crying and begging and crawling away and oh i was like damn like uh, and it's the same in like the Conjuring universe and all these places, right? You'll get this demon or this evil entity that's like got thousands of years of power and can like use telekinesis and throw you across the room. And what do they end up doing? Like they end up running and hiding and closing a door on them. You know what I mean? It's something like ridiculous. And it was pissing me off. It just made me so, so mad. Um, and uh, And I was like, but if this is a war, right? Again, if we're talking about duality, and if this is a war between darkness and light, something that's going on for eons and, and since the dawn of time and blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's a war. That means there are warriors on both sides, right? So I wanted to see somebody badass that was like also good, right? Um, and, and so you have heroes like Thor that are based off Norse mythology. You have heroes like Hercules that are based off Greek mythology and, and you know, Ra and different characters. <clears throat> excuse me and I wanted to because it's the the historically the culture I come from um, I wanted to play around with what I call Christian mythology now I don't use it as a base for truth or to preach what people should believe or to convert people or anything I grew up in the church my beliefs are my beliefs at this point and they are not the original beliefs that I grew up with in the church but I feel like there's a lot of rich storytelling that can be mined from those lessons, from those stories, from that era of, of knowledge. Um, and it just always seemed really cool to me to be able to do that, right? Like the image, when I got the image of a, a, an angel with these large black wings and locks, you know what I mean? I was like, bro, I have never seen that before. That's going to be fire. That's going to be something that in 10 years, 12 years, some little kid is going to be like, hey, I saw this picture of this character. may not even know the name. I saw the picture of this character, and it made me want to do comics. Because I was like, that's going to be a look that's going to be fire. Um, and I just wanted to do that. I just wanted to tell some stories. We can have, Spawn has 300 issues, right? Uh, and and I'm, I'm a fan of Spawn. I love Spawn. Spawn has 300 issues, and he can be a hell spawn, a literal hell spawn, 
fighting against hell, right? And just doing what he got to do, get gully with it, kill people, you know, explode stuff, necroplasmic energy, all these cool little concepts. And I was like, well, why don't, on the other end, why don't we have that? Why don't we have somebody that's just as ruthless, just as vicious, but doesn't have to be steeped in darkness to do it, right? His fight should be against darkness at all times, against his darker impulses, against wanting to unleash everything, against wanting to go crazy. The fight that we fight every day. Uh, I was on a show just yesterday or the day before, and I said that justice is in a lot of ways like a, a black man, like an actual the black experience of having to walk mm-hmm. into a room and have power, have knowledge, have all these things that we know we have, but still have to prove it, right? And still have to meter your responses. Still know, man, I could destroy this dude. But if I do, they're going to judge everybody that comes after me. If I do what this person deserves, I've ruined it for not only me, but I've ruined it for all these other people. So having to meter and walk that line, right, on a cosmic scale, on a comic scale, I think, to me, that's just such engaging story. It's being very cognizant of being, no matter how much you do, how much you are, at the end of the day, someone is going to look at you and be like, there's still a black man, right? Which to them means that you get points off. Which to them means you can't be passionate about something. Because then you're aggressive and intimidating and dangerous, right? And having all these things and all these elements in front of you and in your hands and having to be a good steward of them, not just for you, but for this next generation. Um, that was what I wanted to do with this storytelling. And that's, once I had the idea and I had the concept and I knew I could go that way, um, there was no choice for me but to go that way. I had to, um, because it, it kind of writes itself and, it, and it's writing a version of our lives as we live them right now. Cool, cool, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I read, I think I, I think I read your book I think I just have the digital or something. But I, I'm pretty sure I read your book when you was uh, doing the thing with Concrete Comics. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen some of the elements of that. Um, kind of remind me of like Gargoyles mixed with Spawn. So now you say you're a fan of Spawn. I see the elements. I'm a, I'm a, fan, of, I'm a fan of Gargoyles too, bro. Own the whole series. <laughs> that series was amazing. No doubt. Yeah. But um, um, I haven't read Her. So what what it was Her about? Her is, uh, is Malachi Bailey. Um, that's his, his brainchild. That's his baby. Uh, shout out to Mal. Mal is actually up for, uh, four Glyph Awards. By the time this airs, um, we will know whether or not he won them. But good luck, Mal, uh, in your endeavors. But, uh, it's about, so her spins off from Malachi's novel series. His novel series is about the same character. (laughs) Um, she's a long-lived immortal, uh, who, um, Basically, every time she dies, she comes back with a new persona, a new personality, uh, sometimes and oftentimes a new face um, um, and a new set of powers. So in her current incarnation, she is a a water elemental. And part of her journey is honestly figuring out who she is and why she exists. The other part is, is kind of fulfilling the legacy of her tribe, which was wiped out millennia ago she's a protector um and and she goes into that again as a she's kind of like an odd man out now right because she doesn't know necessarily our current time she doesn't understand certain concepts so she's kind of a fish out of water and it's kind of her journey of discovery of who she is 
why she is, um, and, and, and kind of a journey that we all go through, right? Like, why do we do this? Why are we here? What are we here for? Are we here to help people? Are we here to, to be mothers, to be fathers? Are we here to create great businesses? Um, and she's got to kind of figure all that out. She's got to figure out why. Like, she's got to figure out her why. Um, and her why is just um, inexorably connected to the larger workings of the world and the cosmic world and, 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 and the Orishas and all these other things uh, that will come into play as she continues her journey. Okay. Um, now, with these titles like Immortals, The <laughs> uh, Justice, and Her, uh, I know you're not the writers of, them, of those uh, books, but uh, early in the, in the show, you was like, it was you got this good team behind you. <laughs> so, um, how hard was it to find your team? Uh, like, uh, did you did you did they come to you and you came to them? And how did y'all formulate? You know, I guess Williams comics. Um, it was actually extremely hard, uh, but also effortless once it happened. Uh, uh, I started, like you said, like you mentioned, I actually started with uh, Concrete Comics. That's where I had released Justice Zero originally, um, and then I decided to leave Concrete Comics because uh, I wanted to do my own thing. Uh, and uh, when I was leaving Concrete, I mean, yeah, when I was leaving Concrete. Um, I had to set out and I was like, hey, I'm going to do justice by myself. But Malachi and I had already been communicating um, just on uh, in general stuff. We had started talking about comics. We struck up a pretty good friendship. You know what I mean? Just regular kind of things. Yeah. Um, and we were both novel writers by trade. Um, so we had exchanged novels. Uh, and as I was originally reading his first her novel um, and some of our comic conversations, I, I literally I just inboxed him, man. I was like, have you ever thought about doing comics? And he was, oh, you know, no, but I would love to. It'd be my dream and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why don't you just do comics and, like, do comics? Um, and he was, you know, again, we started talking. It was kind of real brotherly of, like, come on, man, we can, we can make this happen. Um, and we did. So uh, Malachi was the first person uh, after I launched Wingless Comics to be part of Wingless Comics with me. Um, uh, Brett. Hillishum, who is uh, the author and the, the creator of Immortalis, um, also the founder of Indie Comics Dispatch. I had done a bunch of interviews with Brett, and again, he and I had struck up a pretty good friendship. I co-hosted with him a couple times on his podcast. Um, and he had told me months before we launched, he had said that, you know, hey, man, I got an idea I really, really want to do, but just, you know, wait, give me a little bit of time, and I'll get back to you. And honestly, I had forgotten, but Brett was working with us doing some marketing he was doing some editing, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, um, and he gave me a pitch for Immortalis, and it just fit in with the universe I was already creating so well uh, that I was, it was an immediate yes. Uh, and so that's how I formed, or that's how the, the, the main three creators, or the original three, basically, creators formed with Wingless Comics. Uh, as far as my art team goes, again, I was very fortunate and very lucky. Uh, Fabio Samao, I saw his art one night. I reached out to him. He did a couple pinups for me, and I have I have loved every single piece he's ever done for me. Um, and he will be my artist as long as I can keep him around. We just work really well together. We understand each other, even though again, um, he's from Brazil, right? So there's like a little bit of a language gap sometimes <coughs> on both ends. And, and but it actually ended up being good because we we've learned how to communicate with each other. We've been working together for like three years now, um, so we learned how to communicate and. and 
he sees visually what I want a lot of times. And sometimes even when he changes my panel descriptions or my, like the way I'm seeing it, um, he's, he's done better. You know, he's like, Hey, I switched this up because of this and this, and it makes total sense. So, uh, we just kind of got that communication going. Malachi is doing the same with his team with, uh, Nimish Miraji, who's doing his colors and, and, and Dino Agor. Again, we've been very fortunate. We try to communicate the best we can. And that's what creates great teamwork and great relationships. Even if you're having difficult conversations, um, and it helps to add intelligently. Uh, I get inboxes all the time of people wanting to write for Wingless Comics or draw for Wingless Comics or whatever. Um, and they're a lot of times really, really good people. That doesn't mean they work with the system that we have and how we work and how we flow. Uh, we brought on Lawrence King uh, from with a, a joint publishing deal with Constant Hustle Comics. So we'll be publishing Avery because Avery is a great addition to the Wingless world. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that we continue to do that. Um, we've also brought on um, Jay Heron um, for Scarlet Knight, Defender of the Block, because I really like the mythology and how it works. And again, man, it, it, sometimes it takes hard conversations. Uh, all of those guys will tell you, like, I'll be in everybody's inbox. And they're like, all right, man, like, basically fall back, leave me alone. Because sometimes you have to push people and you really have to be on it if you're really serious about it. It's very easy in this game to neglect what you should be doing in favor of, like, looking cool or looking like a blurred right and not doing the hard work that it actually takes to create a comic comics are not easily made people think like oh i could just create a comic you know as well as i do it's not easy yeah. you may lose an artist you may fall back in production like all these other things and once you've done that okay now you you got to come out of pocket or you got to figure it out um yeah so it's I'm going not through, easy i'm going there right right now actually i lost an artist and so it delayed me so the book i supposed to put out last year i'm actually Get re- now, this time last year it was supposed to come out, and it's probably gonna come out next next month. So a whole year, like see, yeah, but, and there's nothing you can do about that. Like it's out of your hands, yep. and people don't get that. And so you need, well, not that you need, right? It's been beneficial for mm-hmm. me to have people mm-hmm. on the back end that at least understand that. If Malachi can't handle it for me, right? He understands the process. He understands what's happened. And can take a, a, a different side of the burden off. Um, and you really just got to support people. Kind of, it, it, It's hard, right? Because it's, we're in an ego-driven business, but you got to put ego to the side sometimes and make sure, like, regardless of what you kind of want, that the, everybody is moving in the same direction. Um, and I'm very fortunate that we're all moving in the same direction and we all understand the direction we're going. And if we don't, we're smart enough to ask each other what the direction is. Um, and they trust me enough to guide the ship. I, I know I have a clear vision for where I want us to go, what I want us to do, and how I want us to get there. Um, and they trust me, and so that's a big part of it, too. Okay. Um, Kickstarter's probably still going on when it airs, but uh, after this Kickstarter, what's next for Justice and uh, Wingless Comics? So, uh, we're going to have a pretty... Uh, man, this year is going to be pretty packed, to be honest with you, towards the end of the year. Uh, we've got between two to three more titles that we're going to launch before the end of the year. Um, so we're looking at Immortalis launching on Kickstarter. Uh, we're looking at her number two launching on Kickstarter. We're also looking at um, Avery the Astonishing number two launching on Kickstarter before the end of the year. Uh, so that we're going to have those for sure. Going into next year, obviously we're going to have Justice number five. We're going to have Scarlet Knight number three, which is a relaunch um, of the title on Wingless Comics. So we just got... Uh, we will be on Kickstarter every month or two, which is the 
indie comics way to kind of stay relevant. A lot of people try to jump into previews and do all these things, right? But your normal, your average audience doesn't know anything about previews. They don't know anything about that. So uh, the way that we keep our audience engaged and keep storytelling and building this universe is by releasing multiple titles throughout the year that form together to tell this Marvel-esque story, right? We're telling this larger story over 12 titles. Now, they're not necessarily interconnected with each episode, but the overall world is connected, and you're going to see ripples of things that happen in Justice. You're going to see those ripples in her and in Scarlet Knight and in Avery, and you're going to see things that happen in Immortalis ripple through all the rest of the books. And that's the way that we kind of keep everything going and keep our audience engaged. So, yeah, anywhere between uh, another, again, one to three or four books before the end of the year on Kickstarter from Moonless Comics. Right, that's cool, that's cool. Um, I got anything else? I think, I think, I think that's it. I think that's it for uh, this segment. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I get more questions. Um... But, you know, that's the end of that segment. We're going to the last segment. You know, um, I'm going to hit you with one question. It's right. called Digging in the Crates. Um, both, you know, uh, double-sided turn. You mm -hmm. know, comics, you know, you dig in the crates. You know, you find that old classic Batman issue. Or that you might even find that uh, that uh, Superman versus Muhammad Lee issue, you know, <laughs> in there. Uh, as well as... Uh, in in uh, music, you know, you dig in the crates, you know, you go go through the vinyls or go through them CDs to find, you know, that classic, you know, you want that physical copy of, you know, put up on the wall or you want to put it, you know, on a CD um, player you got hating somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, one thing people can uh, take away from this interview, like a Nobel Prize question or something like that. Um, with that being said with you, I know you previously said that you draw when you was in school, but now you're a writer. And I know you've doing, been doing some inking, not inking, on some colors recently. So, like, uh, you got some some magical item. I can't I can't uh, think uh, right now. But uh, somebody walk up to you and they give you a choice, you know, A or B. Uh, they, you can have great powers of you know, being an artist, a great powers of being a writer, but you, but you lose the, the vice versa, you know, or whatever you choose. So what would be your choice? Would you be a, a better or a great writer or a better or a great artist, but you lose the other skill when you trade off? Mm. Um, I, ooh, that's hard. Um, uh, Wait a minute, okay, so is this like a Mephisto type deal? Because if it's like Mephisto, I can kind of try to be shady and get both. <laughs> but so like, so like, you still can write, but mm. it's not going to get you no, no uh, pose or prize or anything like that. And, Ooh. Ooh. and, and if, if you still can draw, but you probably won't get no commissions. <laughs> uh, ooh. Okay, so look, I'm in that, I'm in that, well, I'm not a pull of surprise uh writer yet but i'm in that i'm in that bind right now so uh i think at this very moment if there was a trade-off i would actually take the drawing i would take the art the reason okay. i would take the art though is because i have extensive notes on everything i write um oh so you got so, backlog yeah right so <laughs> booklets and booklets man i got like i'm looking at them right now i think i got five of those 
six division five star first gear spiral binders that I got notes in all the margins of all the stories I want to do. So if I had like, if it was like, hey man, you could draw like tomorrow, you could draw like, you gonna wake up and you could draw like Jim Lee or Michael Turner tomorrow, but you got to kind of give up, you know, some of your writing chops. I would take it because I can earn my writing chops back up, right? Like I can, mm -hmm. I can get those back, right? I, I, I believe that I am a natural storyteller, but storytelling and writing are completely different. And that's something that indies don't really get. Everybody's got a story, right? So they want to tell this cool story about their person, but telling a cool story about your person and writing is completely different, right? There's a craft to writing. Writing is a series of rules and how you do things and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, again, if I could draw like Jim Lee tomorrow, I got enough, I had enough notes, <laughs> I got enough books and how to's and enough schooling that I can go back to, to where I would get my writing back up to where it is now. But then I'd have the additional ability to draw my ass off, which I would take, um, in a second. I, I kind of regret that I stopped drawing, um, as I got older. So you talked about the break earlier, you know, with, with like, you know, the nerd break and coming back to it. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily take the nerd break, but I took a, a break from drawing uh, for a long okay. time. Uh, and I wish at this point in my life, I wish that I had stayed with it. While I might not be drawing and writing my own comics, like wholesale, doing the entire thing, I think I would do like a lot of covers like I do now um, in terms of coloring. I'll do like pinups and stuff like that. I don't necessarily want to color page for page, but it would be really cool to have the ability to like draw a justice cover tomorrow and have it look as okay. good as something Fabio could do, uh, which I'm nowhere near that. I can, I cannot, uh, <laughs> but it would be great to, to have that ability. That's something that I would love to be able to do. Okay. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. Well, that's the end of the show. Uh, thanks for being on. Uh, if people want to, uh, purchase any of your books or follow you anywhere after this Kickstarter uh, or just follow you in a journey and just keep up with you. Where can I do that at? Um, so, obviously, we're on Kickstarter right now. You can just search Wingless Comics and we will come up. We are the only Wingless Comics in the game, thankfully. Um, uh, the same for our Instagram, Wingless Comics. Uh, the same for our Facebook, Wingless Comics. Uh, our Twitter is slightly different. Our Twitter is Wingless Entertainment. Uh, if you want to follow the company itself or see all the links, you can go to www.winglessentasanentertainment.com, uh, and we're there. Uh, we're there to even email us. You can ask us any questions you have. It's got all of our social media links there. There are also purchase links for merchandise and books and the entire uh, run of things. So uh, we're very easy to find. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook myself, Brian uh, J. Lambert. Uh, again, I'm easy to find. You'll find me LinkedIn with Wingless Comics and all that. Uh, my IG is personal, uh, private, uh, just because sometimes you need a little bit of a social media break. So uh, I do keep that private. But other than that, again, anytime you type in Wingless Comics, I'm going to show up. We're going to show up. And, uh, and we're always there and available. All right, man. That's dope, man. Once again, thanks thanks for being on. And all right. And Georgia. Thank you very much for having me, bro. I appreciate you. So, the view, he's still doing second of his books and putting the shipment out for all the, the backers and supporters of, you know, his book. But I guess Brian Lambert, he got his own Kickstarter and stuff going on right now. Y'all check him out, man. We're in his comics. They got 
several titles out right now, man. Y'all make sure y'all support all of them right now. Great dude, great company. And if you want to get some of these books, hand in the view, second up, man, go to LegacyView.com. Go ahead and purchase some. And go ahead and follow him at LegacyView and all social media. And if you want to follow me, follow me at Spec706. And you want to be part of the show, hit us up at ChillOnTheGreenBox.com. And we're out.